0: Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible this is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. All right. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Let me introduce you. Before we get started, let me introduce you to everyone. Um, Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Jonathan Yamas. He has a a doctorate of nurse practitioner, and he is a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and he is going to tell us how he got started, how he got into this psychiatric specialty, because I think it's such an important conversation. And then um, he's got many other things going on that he's going to tell us about. So, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming.
1: Of course, thank um, you, me.
0: Yeah, where I start every podcast the same, and I ask, "Where are you from?" and "Where are you located now?" So, where are you from, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm currently based in Los Angeles, California. I was born and raised here. And um, I actually lived in Orlando for about a year um, when I graduated from nursing school. So I, I lived there um, around 2014 to 2015-ish. But I mean, um, LA is always home for me. So I, I went back after my short stint there working in the ER and then went back here to LA.
0: Okay. So what I... Orlando, it's humid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is.
0: We were talking right before the podcast and you said, you know, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm from Texas. And it's funny, Texans go to Florida for the beaches. Like that's their summer vacation. I don't know if it's cheaper. I don't know if it's just easier and that's the way that they migrate. But um, it's humid all along there, there and back in California. I've been here for nine years now and it's nice. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's really hard to beat the weather here in Florida. It's really the tropical and the humidity is just something else. And so, yeah, it was definitely an adjustment period for me. But but yeah, I just I just can't beat, you know, where home is.
0: No, not at all. So tell us, how did you even get into nursing to begin with?
1: So my my path to nursing, um, again, people might call it cliche, but um, I kind of chose nursing in high school, like during my senior year in high school, just because um, I wanted to do something bigger than myself, in a sense. Um, growing up in a predominantly Filipino family, obviously, the one of the most uh, respected professions out there was nursing. But um, during that time, I wasn't really quite aware of just kind of the breadth of opportunities that is within nursing, and I didn't know that there's different educational requirements in nursing in the Filipino community, whether you're an LVN, and uh, an associate's degree nurse, a bachelor's degree nurse, you're just a nurse. And so I thought nursing was just one and the same. Uh, so when I graduated, uh, I, I went ahead and, and pursued my, my bachelor's degree in nursing, but I didn't really have the right mentality um, going into it. Um, prior to that, I, I was always Consider myself an average student. I didn't really study much in school, to be honest with you. I was very one of the few students that just kind of studied the bare minimum and I did really well. And so I thought going into nursing that I can kind of do the same. Um, yeah. But boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so um, it, it was definitely a wake up call for me because um, during my first undergraduate school that I attended, um, you know, I was actually let go from the program because my GPA was, I think, below 2.0. Um, I wasn't really meeting the educational requirements to be able to be a continuing student. So I dropped out and um during that time I was still kind of lost. I wasn't sure if I wanted still to pursue nursing or if I should just jump ship and do something else. But a part of me just kept saying just to keep doing it and keep doing it. So I enrolled in my local community college. I tried to finish my prerequisites, but Again, at that time, uh, I still had that mentality where you know, as long as you get Cs, you get degrees, which is the wrong mentality to have specifically for nursing. Um, yeah. So once I, I finished all my prerequisites, um, and then my next step was obviously to get into the nursing program. But I wasn't aware that even community colleges just how much more competitive actually getting into their nursing program is because there's so many students trying to vie for such small spots. Yeah. So when I spoke to my college counselor at the time you you know she was very upfront and blunt with me she's like you know what you don't have what it takes to be a nurse you just need to do another um major you need to pick something else because you know you don't have what it takes and i don't think you're going to be successful at it and um i think if you're 16 17 years old right hearing that kind of a piece of advice you would kind of maybe listen to them you might think that you know you're right like i don't have what it takes but again there was just something inside of me just said like you know what if i'm gonna quit nursing and it's gonna be from my own terms and so i started looking elsewhere but it was so hard trying to get into a nursing program it really got to the point where i had to really dig deep within myself and I had to look myself in the mirror and really ask myself like am i really giving it my best am i really giving it my greatest effort so to speak in terms of my studying habits and everything like that and i knew deep down that i was cheating myself because i wasn't and so i told myself, all right. If there's a school out there that happens to give me an opportunity, I'm just gonna give it my all. And if I happen just to still not be successful at it, then I can at least have no regrets. And I can say with like, you know, with the greatest confidence that maybe this isn't the right path for me. So um, when I was looking around, I I found West Coast University, Um, I actually applied to their program, and I actually failed their entrance exam by like 2%. So I had to retake that. But once I retook that and I passed it, the first class that I had to take was was math, and I wasn't really good at math. I always try to avoid math as much as I can. Um, but luckily, the teacher that I had there was very great. He changed my perspective in terms of how I view subjects, and I applied myself as best as I can. And that was the first A I ever received in math ever, even all the way through my elementary school. And that gave me somewhat of a confidence boost um, in terms of pushing forward. And then I I took biochemistry because I had to retake it because my last class wasn't good. And yeah. um, I came with that same confidence and mindset where I'm going to study, I'm going to plan out my schedule, I'm going to really make sure that I, I'm preparing myself as best as I can, and then I got an A in that as well. And that kind of led into a snowball effect uh, in terms of building a, a confidence in me that I never had before. And it made me realize that, huh, maybe I could do this. Maybe uh, maybe this isn't such an impossible task for me. and yeah. so you know, fast forward, uh, I graduated from my undergraduate degree in 2013 with a 3.83 GPA, if you can believe that from someone who had a below 2.0 to jump up to 3.83. I just remember my mom and my dad was crying like during the graduation. I was crying because it was really like a, a huge um, accomplishment for me because I it was really something that for the first time in my life, like I really gave it my all and I really sacrificed myself in terms of like making sure that, I, you know, I, I avoid parties, I do anything that where I really have to Prioritize school, and so mm-hmm. that really gave me the, the greatest confidence. Like you know, if, if I really believe in something, and and I really put in the time and the effort, then the success will follow.
0: I, I love this story because I, one, I love a good comeback story. I love an underdog. You know, I love someone who rises from maybe poor decisions on their part or not their part. And it just, you know, situationally and they rise above and they conquer. And I think it's an important story in general, but also for nurses, you know, if your path isn't quote unquote perfect, if it, you know, if there's some stumbling blocks, if you had to stop for reasons of your own or outside reasons, it's okay. You can restart. You can be determined. You just have to, Believe in yourself, and I'm so glad that you did not listen to that one advisor. Ew, Jonathan!
1: <laughs> Isn't it? I, I think about that sometimes, and I and I and I kind of like would kind of rewind and be like, if I listened to that advisor, like how different my life would have been right now. Right. Yeah, right. And, I and-
0: love that. Some you listen to it, and you're like, no. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: exactly and and again i i've been um very fortunate cuz you know growing up uh, faith was a big part of my upbringing and um just having that belief in god and that um if if i have that kind of faith within me knowing that i'm, I'm doing something bigger than myself but knowing that there's all of us are are called for a purpose in this life um that really also help kind of push me forward because that was a really strong protective factor for me knowing that like I'm not doing this on my own that I'm, I'm kind of guided and um, as long as I'm just continuing to follow whatever path that is laid in front of me um, yeah. then I'm just going to continue to follow it because I think at the end of the day especially for for nurses or for people creating their own professions I, I think it's good to have something that you can kind of lean on whether it's your faith or it's your family or whatever it is if it's a, a personal um, kind of like motivating factor um, it really gives you something to to strive for. And so that was one of those things where it reminded me that I think at the end of the day, we can't take money with us, right? When we die, we can't take any of our physical properties when we die, but what we can leave behind is our legacy and kind of like the things that we've been able to do in terms of impacting people the right yeah. way.
0: So what at what point, so you graduate nursing school, congratulations. Okay. And I have to believe that psych, uh, psychiatric care was a calling for you? Was it immediately? Did you immediately go into that specialty or what has been kind of your career track?
1: That's a good question. So as a male nurse, right? I I think Mm -hmm. we've kind of, we're kind of had this pigeonhole where if you think of a male nurse, we think of uh, nurses that are primarily working in acute care settings, right? And that was pretty much the same for me when I was in nursing school. And even when I graduated from nursing school that um, I just kind of uh, I guess, chose the, the ER setting first because as as a male, that's where you're kind of told you should be. And so that's why I, I kind of um, applied and I was looking primarily for new grad residencies, but I, I wasn't able to get one here in California. So that's the reason why I I flew over and relocated to Florida, uh, specifically mm-hmm. Orlando, to work in the ER because that I, I wanted to make sure I had a, a really good uh, training first in terms of having a new grad residency, having that support. Um, And so I I did ER for a little bit, um, but it just wasn't for me. I I would have panic attacks, to be honest with you, like going into work because I would just not be sure like what's going to come through that door. If I'm going to be able to take care of that person, if I'm going to be prepared to take care of that person. And so it really made me question if nursing was really the right choice for me, to be honest with you, because I was telling myself, like, is this really how I'm going to be living for the rest of my life, like really having these really huge panic attacks coming into work. Like when is this ever going to get better? And so through, again, through, through some sort of miracle, or maybe through some divine intervention, um, something happened at work where we just felt that it was better, be best where we just kind of part ways. And um, I think it was kind of like a redirection in terms of my life, being able to come back home um, and 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 trying to maybe find another avenue in nursing that I can do that I, might fit better for me. But when I came back home, it was kind of hard because I knew I didn't want to do ER again, um, but I didn't really have any experience anywhere else in nursing. So I really didn't know what to do. Right. It wasn't until uh, I started kind of thinking back in terms of my past clinical rotations that I had as a student. And I remember a friend told me when i did my psychiatric rotation that you know what jonathan like you know, you're know, you really good at talking to people like you have a, a gift in terms of like talking to patients making them feel calm like you know maybe you could consider working in psych in the future but you know the reason why i didn't consider it at the time was because of course of the stigma uh, surrounding psych like there was always that fear of what if you have a patient who becomes abusive or combative or people will view you differently because you work in psych and and Especially when I graduated nursing. nursing, um, you know, psych wasn't as well um, well educated, or uh, not a lot of people knew about psych the way that we know about it now. So, a lot of people, when you tell them in the past that you're going to go psych nursing, it's kind of like a dirty word. It's like, oh, why are you going to psych nursing? You you could do any other nursing, but why psych? You know, people do this kind of like lazy nursing, or like you're working with a very vulnerable population where maybe not a lot of people understood. Um, but I said, you know what? Maybe I should try. Maybe this is a calling. Maybe this is a place where. Again, this is a place where I've, I'm have meant to be. Yeah. So I applied to my my clinical rotation place that I, I did for my psych rotation in, in nursing school.
0: Yeah. I got
1: accepted uh, and believe it or not, um, it was the one place that I felt the most comfortable. Like I, it felt like I was in my natural habitat. It just came natural to me um, actually working with this specific patient population. And I actually liked what I was doing. And, and so I was working as a psych nurse for about two, three years before I started to kind of look more into myself and, and ask myself if I wanted to pursue higher education and and once I got a little bit more understand, understanding in terms of what the psych world entailed, um, that's when I started looking more into um, graduate level programs and and so that's um, after that I, I applied to my my DNP school to pursue my psych NP and then um, you know the rest was kind of history after that.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember nursing school, you know, we have that one semester where you do clinicals in a psych psychiatric unit. I did mine in the VA, mm-hmm. but when you asked your professors, you know, about this specialty, Hey, if I want to work with psychiatric patients, where do I go? They, all of them said, go to the ER.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're like,
0: well, okay. I mean, I started in the ER, not because I wanted to work with psychiatric patients, but in working in the R, you do see a lot of psychiatric patients, but you are not providing. You're just putting on a Band-Aid so you can move them elsewhere. You know, Jonathan. So what, explain to some of the nurses out there, if they're nurses and they want to get into psychiatric specialty, what are some options for them? Do they work on a floor? Do they work in clinics? What, what can they do?
1: So this is a really good point of topic that I've been, <laughs> that I've been kind of uh, seeing lately because that mm-hmm. there's- Huge number of nurses now that are interested in going to psychiatry. But the number one thing that I'm always trying to stress to nurses or people who are interested in going to the field is to get some experience, at least one or two years of experience in the inpatient psyched locked units. I think working in the locked unit specifically, right, people who are put on involuntary holds, preferably patients where you're pretty much seeing them from all different walks of life, um, you know, specifically like the homeless population and stuff like that. It really gives you kind of a, a good understanding that psych number one is non-discriminatory. It can affect anyone and everyone. Um, And it also gives you the opportunity to really understand, is this something that you are okay with dealing with? Because people think of psych, they think of, oh, we're just going to be talking to people who are depressed and anxious. But at the end of the day, that's only a very small handful of the population, right? There's other patients out there who are struggling with substance abuse. There's other patients out there who are actively psychotic, and and people who have some form of personality disorders or bipolar disorder. And you know, people think that in psych we can pick and choose, but in reality, you know, if you're going to be working in this specialty, you have to be willing to treat anyone and everyone, even the most difficult patients. And I think working in the inpatient locked units, pretty much my entire psych RN. Experience right throughout my um, career, it really gave me kind of like the confidence and also the understanding. Like if I'm going to be treating these patients, that I have to be comfortable treating everyone. And I think that for people, they think that like it's easy, but it's not easy because if you're doing psych the right way, it's Mm -hmm. it's very emotionally draining. Right, you're absorbing a lot of things that you're seeing. You always have to be on your toes. You have to be hyper vigilant because you never know if someone is okay here and then they'll have a psychotic break and then they'll start. I mean, combative and you have to know how to de-escalate that situation and yeah. so you have to it, it, it's like it's a combination of of er acute type of like training right you have to be able to think on your feet but you also have to be calm and you have to know how to delegate and you have to know how to communicate properly and you have to know how to advocate as well for these patients because if you're not able to do all the above then you're not going to be really providing the best care possible and yeah. unfortunately in psych um based off today's situation there's we have a lot of really not so good providers out there who may not have had the right amount of experience. I'm seeing a lot of nurses who are going into the psych NP route with no experience in, in psych. And for me, if you're going to be working in an advanced practice role, you have to have, in my opinion, some form of experience um, working with a psych population because of the fact that you are now responsible in not just prescribing medications, but you're also responsible in terms of diagnosing properly. And if you diagnose, if you diagnose wrongly, then you're, you're obviously going to create the wrong treatment for the patients. So experience, experience is key. But I think that once you have really good experience, and if you feel like this is a place where you want to go, then by all means, we need more good providers out there.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because this week we had, uh, Rosina Garcia on and she's an ECMO nurse. And so I ask every single nurse that I have on, Hey, if someone wants to get into your specialty, what do they need? And where I grew up, where I was raised, nurses didn't do ECMO, perfusionists did, but where she is, she's at a children's hospital in Los Angeles. Um, the nurses did, and she recommended, like two to three years of critical care experience, because you just understand the surroundings that you're looking at, and you can better understand the entire picture of the patient beyond just the machine. And I, I bring that up to mention to you, because you're like, no, you need a couple of years of experience in these lockdown units, because how could you possibly be able to understand everything that they're going through and what maybe you're ordering for them and the effects that it has on them if you haven't experienced yourself. I think that's, um, I'm glad you mentioned that.
1: We have to understand, right? Because as a nurse practitioner, we're advanced practice nurses, right? And so the one key difference that we don't have in comparison to our physician counterparts is that we don't have a residency program. Our residency is our nursing yeah. training, our nursing experience. Yeah. So I have a brother who is a who is a first year resident. He's at UCLA. He's a psychiatrist. Right. I, I, I know I witnessed firsthand is kind of like from him starting medical school up until now. And the level of treatment, the amount of training, the hours of training that they have is nowhere near the amount of training that we have as nurses. Right. In terms mm-hmm. of practitioner school, because with nurse practitioner school, you have your clinical hours. But after that, once you graduate, you're kind of free to kind of start working right yeah. you don't you, we have um, collaborative agreements where you you obviously have a, a provider who um, that you can kind of collaborate with and, and can kind of oversee and supervise you but at the end of the day pretty much you, you're kind of on your own and so you have to be in my opinion you you know the, the best providers out there are the people who's worked in the trenches who knows specifically firsthand like is this person really struggling from depression? Or is this bipolar depression? Or is this some sort of adjustment disorder? Or is this because of depression because of substance abuse, right? We have to know how to distinguish those things. Because again, if, if we're not being able to evaluate and diagnose properly, then our whole treatment is going to be wrong, right? And I think that the people who can kind of see those nuances or those idiosyncrasies are those nurses who's had those two, three years, four years of experience specifically on the floor, because you, we work with them 24-7. We're there on the locked unit eight hours a day, 12 hours a day. So we have that in insight that um, our physician counterparts don't have, right? And so that's what is interesting about specifically, if you're a nurse who has that nursing experience, and then now you have, now you're a provider, it gives us kind of like that unique perspective, because we're able to see it in a different way. And that's why when I'm treating patients, um, my approach to patients is never just been about medication management if it's always been some form of additional supportive psychotherapy it's really trying to get understanding of well what is really going on here like are you depressed because of um just because you're depressed or is there depressed because of the fact that you know your your parents just died or you had a divorce or you got laid off from work is there substance abuse here right and so we want to make sure that we're taking all of those factors into consideration so that we can also um, you know, give them the support that they need in order to address those factors in their life. And then the medication at the end of the day is just part of the equation. So that's why for me, how I approach things has always been a little bit differently, but that's how I feel like is the most successful and, and the most productive way of treating patients is being able to put all of those pieces, all of those past experiences and then being able to use that as a provider.
0: Yeah. So for, I feel like when you... Okay, someone, they're like, all right, I'm a nurse. I want to become a nurse practitioner. What are my options? I I see a lot of acute care nurse practitioner, certainly a lot of family nurse practitioner. There's some geriatric. I don't typically see a psychiatric specialty for nurse practitioners. So when you went to NP school, did, did you have that specialty already? Or is that something you did after nurse practitioner school? Do you see what I mean?
1: So in in nurse practitioner school again I'm I'm not I can only speak on my program in terms of the program that I went to but specifically for our program, um, it was uh, psych NP across the lifespan. So you're you're kind of taught on not just the adults but also the pediatric population and also the geriatric population. So you're kind of exposed to those different populations. But once you graduate, you can ultimately decide let's say I want to just work primarily with adults, you can just do that. Or if I want to work primarily with children, you can just do that. So it just depends on what you're most comfortable with. But for me, I've always been the most comfortable with adults. And so that's a population I, I stuck with.
0: Okay, but it was a, like a nurse practitioner degree for psychiatric specialty. Yeah,
1: so for the psych yeah. NP, again, for our program, it was across the lifespan. So you're kind okay. of taught all the lifespan, but then it's up to you now to decide which one you kind of want to Fall into. And and once you graduate and you start working, they'll ask you which one are you more comfortable with? Do you want to work with the pediatric population or do you want to see adults? Um, and yeah. so you, you can kind of pick and choose what you're comfortable okay. with. Okay. Yeah. So
0: when did you graduate that program? How long have you been an MP?
1: So I graduated in 2019 and now okay. it's like 2023. So I've, I've been working as a provider now for I think almost almost four years, it's, I think it's about three and a half years, give or take. Um, but it was an interesting time, right? Because when we, when I graduated, um, that's when, the, you know, t- around t- I graduated around 2019 of June. I got my, uh, my licensing and my credentials and everything like that at the end of uh, December. Um, so I started working around that time. And then the pandemic hit around March, February, March. And so yes. it was a huge, it was a huge culture shift because I don't think anyone was really expecting something like that from happening. I, I don't think any of us were actually prepared mentally of just like how different that was gonna look for us. And so um, it was a very interesting experience, but I, I feel like we've just been very fortunate that we were able to kind of navigate through that because it was, it's, it was a very challenging time for a lot of people.
0: Absolutely, and I feel like, uh, not that mental health issues weren't present before because they certainly were, but COVID certainly highlighted some, made them worse, it created some, I, you know, I don't know all the statistics you would know better than I would. So when you, when all that started, were you in a clinic setting or were you in a hospital setting as a nurse practitioner?
1: So most of my experience now as a psych and PE has always been in the private practice outpatient type of setting. So prior okay. to the pandemic from happening, I was seeing patients in person. Um, you know, I, we were having those type of inpatient sessions, but then once the pandemic happened that we had to switch over to a telemedicine role. And that one was a big shift because i don't know about you but seeing someone in person and having that kind of like humanistic connection is so different in terms of the type of care that you're providing because um, i i'm a firm believer of like you know energies and people give off certain energies and you can just get a better read of people when you're actually in the same room with them Um, as opposed to telemedicine where you're staring at a screen and everything like that it's it's kind of It's it's you don't really see the full picture, right? And um, I, uh, nowadays now especially now we're we're starting to start to see a little bit more patients in person again. I had a patient actually came in and um she kind of told me like you know what I miss this I miss like being able to. Speak to someone in person. It's just different, you know, and and I think just taking that away, I'm just like, you know what, that's that's true, and and I, and I think we're going to slowly get there. But I think with the whole telemedicine thing, obviously, it, it you know the pros are it, it has um, increased access to people who may not have access to pe- uh, psychiatric services out there, and it's also convenient. Um, but hopefully, for people who are looking more for in person consultations, you know, I would definitely encourage them to to do that or to reach out because um it's just different, you know, the the type of um the type of connection that you have in those sessions.
0: I completely agree. And it's really hard, but it's hard to qualify it with words. Like how is it different? I don't know. It just is though. It is.
1: <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like it's it's more like um that's I was saying. There's there's like there's there's like a some sort of like uh like hidden underlying kind of like agreement right because like when you when you build that connection and that rapport with someone like especially in person again the, the energy flow was just different you can just feel like people are more engaged people are, are more willing to be vulnerable or people are more willing to trust you um and and, and, you, and you can just have a better sense is this person being upfront with me are, are they being honest with me are they not being honest with me you can kind of get a sense because there's there's different tells that people might have and so um, just giving them that kind of safe space to be able to hopefully conduct those type of like intimate moments with those patients, I think that's what's really helpful because it, as a clinician as well, you'll be able to kind of um, build that kind of relationship forward and and hopefully help them and get to know them not just behind the screen but more about who they are and 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 what they value as people.
0: yeah um on a bigger you know sort of a bigger uh, look. What do you feel, because mental health is, I feel like it's in the news all of the time now. What do you feel the mental health community is doing well? And where do you feel there are some improvements to be made?
1: So in terms of what I think they're doing well, I think that just shedding more awareness, right? Providing more education to the public about mental health, the importance of mental health. Um, I think that's really great. There's a lot of advocacy there. Um, in terms of things that we can be doing better, I think that we could do better in terms of maybe some of the treatments that we have. A lot of the things that we're doing specifically in mental health is still mainly revolved around oral medications, but there's a lot of really cool, interesting studies now that are are showing kind of like the effects of, you know, long-acting medications, long-acting injectables, as well as some, you know, um, data regarding like psilocybin or ketamine or, or these type of like mm-hmm. psychedelic medications that could potentially help with depression so there's a lot of really interesting and promising treatments out there um, it's just a matter of us hopefully seeing if the evidence is is starting to hold true and if this is something that could be something that's viable for the masses so to speak right yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of the treatment that we're doing is pretty outdated. It's pretty much the same thing that, that a lot of the psychiatrists have been doing for many, many, many years, but, yeah. but hopefully in the future, we'll be able to, uh, see more, um, really, uh, futuristic and, and kind of like the developed type of approaches to, to care that's just not focused on oral medications.
0: Yeah. I've seen a lot of talk about ketamine infusions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to get them side note. It's hard. You can't get them approved in workers' comp, by the way, uh-huh. but I've heard a lot about it. And then there's also, because I used to be in the Marines a long time ago, but there's uh-huh. a big veterans group that's very pro-psychedelics. Gosh, uh-huh. what is the name of that group? But helping with PTSD. Sure. And some have you know, professed that it helped them tremendously. Mm-hmm. So I know that's all on up and coming and there's more research to be done.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, is that anything that you deal with or it's just on your radar?
1: It's just on my radar. I think as a provider, we have to be um, we have to be up to date in terms of the, the latest research and, and all the developments that are happening. Um, again, there's a lot of really interesting studies. I think there was a study on Johns Hopkins, I think about a year ago, that showed that psilocybin or microdosing of psilocybin can um, reduce depression for like over a year. Um, and so that's something that's really interesting. However, again, the, the study was very small. I think it was only 40%. And so it was a very um, limited study, but it's there's a lot of promising results there. So it's just a matter of just continuing to to see, kind of like where the where the research is headed, um, but also being open to those things because again we 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 don't know just how effective these treatments might be for for people. But my main thing has always been I'm not I'm not always been very just focused treatment heavy. I've always been also focused on kind of like really understanding the person and behind. What's what's the motivating factor behind that person and, and making sure that we're also providing that supportive of psychotherapy, like I mentioned, to help them better process their, their emotions.
0: Yeah, I love that because it, it's kind of like in medicine at, or in other specialties of medicine, you want to get to the root of the problem. Exactly. Can we fix the root of the problem instead of just putting on treatments and treatments and treatments, which sometimes you might need, and that's totally fine. No one's saying that you shouldn't, but hey, can we get, let's get under the layers here. What's really going on? Can we fix... Or help manage the bulk of that, so that we use less, fewer treatments, you know, on the back end. I,
1: I agree. I, I'm, I've, I'm one of the. I, I'm a firm believer of less is more in terms of medications. Yeah. And um, it's really funny because you know, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of providers out there where if they they hear a patient having issues, for example, sleep. I'm having troubles with sleep. They're just gonna keep you know, prescribing more and more medications. But then for me, I'm like, well, what is the root cause of the issue with sleep, right? Is it do you have sleep apnea? Is there some something? Um, is, is there something there like deviated septum? Is there issues there that we need to kind of get to the root of, right? Or also depression, where is there anything wrong with your thyroid, right? Like we have to get to the root of that, as opposed to us just throwing medications at something blindly, and hopefully one one will work for them.
0: I, you know, and I believe in that, not just in the psychiatric specialty, but in general, in diabetes, hypertension, let's just throw more medications on it. Well, wait a second. One, you might need medications and that's okay. But two, what lifestyle changes can we make prior to where maybe you don't need the metformin now, you know, and sometimes you have, they have to be compliant, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they're not willing to make the lifestyle change, but maybe they are. And it's worth pursuing before just sticking them on a medication and- There you go. So I think that applies. I would want my patients to be on as few medications as possible in general and just make, you know, lifestyle modifications, but I'm not a nurse practitioner, so...
1: (laughs) Well, you're you're right. Well, you you you're absolutely correct, and I think that this is an interesting side note. Um, you know, especially with the pandemic, I, I think there was a funny article that I read that a lot of doctors were prescribing their patients sunlight, like to go out in the sun more, because of the fact that vitamin D deficiency is actually a real thing. There's a lot of patients now because of the fact they're working from home, their vitamin D deficiency is very very low, and so because of that, as you're aware, D, vitamin D deficiency can cause like mood changes, it can cause depression and stuff like that. And so just something simple as like going outside, like taking a walk, like like you said, I mean all the things can play a huge factor in terms of how we feel.
0: Yeah. Well, so to turn a corner here, you've done a lot of work to bring awareness to mental health, to the psychiatric uh, specialty for nurses and nurse practitioners. You were just honored as the nurse icon, one of the nurse icons of the year by nurse dog org. Tell us about it. How did that come about?
1: Yeah, it's still pretty surreal, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't even know how that came about. Um, I, I didn't even actually know about the nomination until a friend of mine reached out to me via email and told me like hey you know my boss just told me that you were nominated congratulations i'm like nominated for what
0: <laughs> so
1: yeah so i had to like look into it and i was just kind of like blown away i never knew who nominated me um but i'm thankful to whoever that person was um yeah. but yeah it was definitely a huge honor and um it's it's one of those things where again i i don't do my work for the sake of any awards or anything like that i'm a huge I, I'm a huge proponent of understanding that it's it's all about honoring the people who kind of laid the path before me and, and trying to continue to honor that legacy and continue to elevate and push the nursing profession forward. And that's why for me, in terms of my social media and profile and how I use my platform, I try to use it as 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 professional as I can because I understand that at the end of the day it's not about me. Like I, I'm representing what the nursing profession um you know embodies and exemplifies. And I think just having that this honor is, is a step forward because number one, I'm a male, I'm a person of color and to be considered a nurse icon of the year. I think it's, it's a really good, um, it's a really good indication of, of just that nursing is for anyone and everyone who has the heart to embrace it.
0: Absolutely. That was going to be my next thing. You have a pretty large following on social media and you're using the platform in order to, you know, amplify voices in the psychiatric world and, you know, for male nursing and, um, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. what is your goal with this platform?
1: I'm just going to continue to use my platform as best as I can. Um, my goal is again, to hopefully continue to leave a legacy that number one, it doesn't like what you said earlier. It doesn't matter like how you started at the end of the day, it, it's how you finish. That's, that's really the ultimate goal. And, and it hopefully when people hear me or see me and they, they, they kind of learn a little bit more about my story, it can hopefully inspire them that they also have what it takes to be successful in whatever path that they choose. And um, yeah, my goal is to hold the to inspire and empower people that it's not um, that you have more than maybe what you give yourself credit for. I think a lot of us, we especially in social media, it's very easy for us to compare our lives to other people and view the things that we don't have. And, and I think we're viewing it the wrong way, right? Because at the end of the day, we, the only person that we're at race with is, is ourselves, right? Can we be better than who we were yesterday? And I think if we have that mindset, then we're going to be just fine.
0: Absolutely. So if nurses wanted to know more about you and psychiatry in general, where do they find you?
1: So they can follow me on my Instagram at, you know, Dr. Jonathan V. Yamis. That's my hashtag. They can also follow me on LinkedIn as well. The same hashtag, Dr. Jonathan V. Amis. And And um, they can also follow uh, my new mental health brand. It's called Mind and Heart Official. It's on Instagram as well.
0: Yeah, I saw that. Congratulations on starting that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All
0: right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this important specialty and option for nurses. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at Black Sheep Nerd.